Yeah, buddy. Going to Japan. Gonna get me some mercury poisoning. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Hey, yo, happy Thursday morning. It's the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a biz mass. It's a technical term for the vehicle via which you can achieve more freedom and opportunity in your life. And the vehicle by which I do that, his name is Ian. He's here on the show today. He's a man who rarely wears the boss socks, but when he does, they've got those individual little toes uh, in order to accommodate the Vibrams. Konnichiwa, Dan. Uh, hello. And I think that they're called tootsies when they're individualized. Toesies, the maybe. Technical term. Um, Ian, got some news. Uh, turns out that you're going to Tokyo and you're going to shove your face with sushi for uh, a solid few weeks. Now, I'll be heading to my favorite vacation destination, business destination, the Philippines, check in on uh, our company, check in on some of our staff and meet with some fellow entrepreneurs. It's going to be a fun next two weeks. Yeah, so we're taking this thing on the road, but here we're still in Bali. Um, one other news item I wanted to bring up is I did uh, one of these... Uh, Ask Me Anything threads over at the Fastlane Forum. Right. Over 14,000 views. It's cool for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is that... Most popular thread on the forum over there. Yeah. And I think it's a useful thread for a lot of people. So if you're a fan of the show, check out the thread. We'll link you to it on this is one episode 140. But it's also an interesting little thing. Like, if you've got a blog out there, how many of you, raise your hand, if you have a post that has 14,000 views on it, it takes a long time, unless maybe something hits Hacker News or something, to get that kind of viewership on your articles. When I write an article at Tropical MBA, it doesn't get 14,000 views. And so this is kind of a cool thing, like tapping in while you're building up your own audience, tapping into where the audience is, whether that's YouTube, popular forums, uh, stuff like that. So Yeah, the thing is, though, you couldn't get 14,000 views unless it was really good content, which it is. You're basically telling the story of how you got started and... That's uh, that's what a lot of people over at that forum are looking for. So yeah, buddy. All right. Speaking of uh, stuff we're looking for, iTunes reviews. Woohoo! Get the applause effect. The co-founder of Libright, Clay Collins, says this is my favorite podcast right now, and I could really care less about lifestyle or beaches. Thanks, guys. So oh, thanks, Clay. I think it's uh, he's giving a shout out to our our business. The business is 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 force is so strong in you, Ian, that it. It's sort of overpowering the beaches that I'm bringing. Blowing to. over, blowing <laughs> over palm trees. <laughs> uh, finally, business savvy or savvy business plus fun lifestyle and entertainment in one. Farnoosh from prolificliving.com says, "I'm in love with this podcast and the chemistry between us, brother. Look me in the eye. The we got chemistry." <laughs> Uh, I did the corporate thing for 11 years, quit in 2011 to start, and just uh, just hired the hubby. So got the first hire under the belt with the biz, and we're feeling everything you guys talk between corporate and entrepreneur, creating a fun life of freedom and real, building real wealth. Thank you, and keep up the good work. And then she drops your line. Booyah. Yeah, rocking. All right, thanks, Farnoosh, for listening to the show, and we're going to try to bring the goods today. Let me tell a little story before we get into... Uh, a phone call we got coming up about what we're going to talk about today. But I want to call it the suppressed dream. 
and how it relates to scripts and a little bit how it relates to location independence. Okay. <clears throat> this is about a story of how I suppressed who I was and what I wanted in the world in order to do what I thought I was supposed to do. On the one hand, I wanted to be, quote, successful. You know, I didn't want to be like a loser backpacker serving brews in the desert of Australia, right? I don't want to be working at a youth hostel bar or something like that. But that's how I thought, you know, if you wanted to travel, maybe you pick up a gig at a, at a youth hostel or something. Or you thought maybe, hey, for in order for me to travel, I have to be successful first. So you become successful, you come, become rich, and then you can travel. Yeah, the, sort of the deferred life plan. I'm going to go down one trajectory that's going to take all my financial resources and all my time resources, and I'm going to build my whole life around that. And then I'm going to pull an absolute U-turn 15 years from now. I'm going to change everything. Right. Uh, that's the fallacy. And, and the other thing I was looking for, Ian, is I was looking for scripts to opt into. So it's like you're sitting there at meetup.com and you're like, I want the coolest meetup ever. And so you're like looking at all these meetups. And of course, the punchline is always, if you want the coolest meetup, you got to start the coolest meetup. Right. And so I'm looking... Uh, at things like maybe working for HSBC in their foreign office, maybe joining the Navy, maybe teaching English in South Korea. And it was the four-hour work week, the book. If you haven't read it yet, I mean, it's essential reading for digital nomads. It pulled it together and it basically said, look, brah, Tim Ferriss, you know, from, he's from California. Bra. He's like, brah, look, you do not need to opt in to other people's scripts. In fact, you can write one for yourself that combines both of your passions and your truest self you know the person that you really want to be you can pull that all together in one script and then go do that and that was like sort of a, a landmark change for me the other thing that it did for me and this might be important for people is that it showed me you could be successful unconventionally like this was a cool thing to do this was a new prestige and i guess there was a part of me that I didn't, I was not ready to be a bum. I was not ready to go back home for Turkey Day and look at mom and be like, I'm a bum. Now, once I started the business, that's precisely what I did for three years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I knew what I was doing. Like I, I was given a new script, the script called entrepreneurship, lifestyle business. Mom, I'm running a lifestyle business. Mom's like, what's a lifestyle business? Does that mean you're broke? Does that mean... <laughs> You're so location independent, you don't visit me anymore. So what's going on? You know? I mean, it was tough for the first couple of years, but you get the point. So anyway, it was lifestyle businesses, the business that taught me that I could have my cake and eat it too. Like Tim Ferriss said in his book, you really can have it all if you're willing to throw the party. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, nom, nom. That's right. Okay, so first off, uh, before we get into meat and potatoes, which we're going to talk about the location independent imperative. And why baking location independence in your business might not even be something that's sensible, smart, and fun, but it might be important. It might time. be very important. All right. But first, speaking of location independence, we've got a phone call from our fellow LI entrepreneur, Amy Ammon from dogclass.com. Let's check it out. Hi, Ian. Hi, Dan. This is Amy Ammon. I'm absolutely addicted to the information in your podcast. Thank you so much. And uh, living the dream in YTP. I'm having the same problem that occurred as a result of uh, forwarding mail. I'm wondering how, if there is good method to track uh, transferring over your address for your bank and everything temporarily. And if you can help out, I'd greatly appreciate it. Have a dog on for a great day. 
Wow, Amy is absolutely looking like she's crushing it. Dogclass.com sounds so cool. Keeping I it on message. Keeping it on like message. That. Absolutely cool. It's brandable. It's from the islands. Um, so cool. So um, we've got the same problems, Amy. So first off, let's talk about the terror of the USPS and how you get around this mail forwarding issue. Oh, it's such a disaster. I mean, it's just absolutely horrible. So the problem that you have is you forward your mail and the mail never makes it to your old place and it never makes it to your new place. It just ends up in purgatory. And we've done this like three or four times and without fail. This last time, I think we probably lost twenty or $30,000 in checks. So we had to go back to our customers and ask them to reissue them. It's a huge waste of time. So yeah. what we do now is um, we just tell our customers to send the mail you know, over time to our new place. Um, and then we have somebody at the old place go and pick up the mail. So we just... So you develop like a little mini partnership oh. with the person who's taking over. It's people awful. are nice people. They're willing yeah. to hold your mail for you. All right. A couple ways you can bum out on an island like Amy is like a boss. Um, one thing you can do is earth class mail. And I want to give a hat tip to Justin Cook from AdSenseFlippers.com uh, for listing out some of the benefits in our form of earth class mail. And a lot of people in our group are using this. Um, you can have a virtual address in Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Seattle, and I think there's 40 other cities, as Justin was saying. This is a great idea. If you're going to move around a lot, if you're even going to move offices a lot, just have a good one place, have them scan it for you. It's a little bit expensive, but... Automatic scanning and emailing of that mail to you. You've got automatic check depositing if you want it. Um, you've got low-cost forwarding and the ability to purchase from retailers that only ship to the U.S. That's probably not a problem for Amy because she's rocking out on Hawaii. But for guys like us that are in Indonesia... It's like every time you even want to send a Kindle here, it's like the border guards are like, I am going to nab this fool for yeah, trying to send this piece. I don't piece. send anything here. Yeah, absolutely. Also, a couple other tech things that we use is we use Skype in. Uh, I use Skype in for like I have a California phone number that anybody wants to call me back home. Boom, that just forwards. So when I go to the Philippines, I will actually go into Skype and change um, my forwarding number so that it forwards not to Indonesia, but to the Philippines. And then we also use Grasshopper in the U.S. to uh, we still use that for still our phone use Grasshopper. Yeah, I haven't found an alternative that works as good yet. So all right, so Amy uh, got us thinking a little bit philosophically this week. So thank you, Amy. Uh, maybe to the detriment of the broader audience, has to hear a couple of our maybe more philosophical ideas about what we were talking about—the location independence imperative—and why this whole idea of location independence might not just be a trend or a fad, but might be something bigger. Cities are they're expensive, number one, and they're a headache, number two. So why do people traditionally live in cities? Uh, there's this great quote by Paul Tillich that I bring up time and time again, is that the, the modern city is really the only place that allows us um, connection with the strange. Like if you live in the Lower East Side, you can rock up to Midtown and go to some Russian dumpling joint or something like that. You can go to a new show every night. You can watch cool rock bands. So you, you get like inspired by the strangeness right. around you. Uh, you know, Kevin Kelly is, is, has said that cities are our greatest invention as humanity. But uh, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I say uh, I don't think so. I think the Internet has the potential to take over. Of course, cities have had a bigger impact to date. But the Internet is what? Well, the question, years old. the question is, or one of the questions is, is the city more efficient than the Internet? I'd say no. Right. So that's the thing. So now, okay, if we're going to talk about access to the strange, let's just open up the old incognito browser. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's doing a better <laughs> job on that front. I mean, if you want to discover new bands or anything, I was talking to some guy the other day and he was telling me about uh, 
you know, what's my favorite music festival that I ever went to? And I was like, dude, I'm over 30 years old. I'm just not going to music festivals anymore. I'm not standing around having to go to the bathroom for four hours, you know. But uh, I can go on YouTube and find all these new bands, you know. So the other thing about the Internet is it's, it's creating this connectivity so that you don't need to be in a city so that you've got the tailor, the barber, the this, the that right down the street. You're, instead, you're getting your, your value and your resources online. So, so basically what's happening is if, if you can earn your income 100% off the Internet, the value that a city delivers diminishes quite a bit. I always feel this very emotionally and palpably, palpably when I visit my friends in New York. A lot of my friends have these amazing jobs in New York. And of course, those amazing jobs only exist in New York because of the connectivity required in that industry right. to exist in that city. Right. And so when I go there, the laptop jockey, I go to some cool cafes and talk to some ambitious people, but I'm pretty much ready to get out of there after a week because of, you know, all of that, you know, concrete and craziness. I don't benefit from it, right? Because all I need is a good cup of coffee and some Wi-Fi. Right. So I think that's part of it. Uh, The second thing that people bring up when we talk about location independence is, all right, cool. You make your living online. That's cool for you. You're a white dude. You're not married. You got a laptop. Congratulations. This is a fad. This is just because Tim Ferriss wrote a book and this is going to be over and then real people have to do real things. I don't think so. No, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think you got to look. If you want to call something a fad, you have to look at the underpinnings. of. of I see our progression from virtualizing our incomes and virtualizing our business the same way I look at something like Moore's Law. Like the... You know, I even saw an article the other day that said that America was at peak jobs. You know, like who needs to bring people into offices anymore when you can go to Odesk? Right. right? Who needs to go to a university anymore to figure out how well someone's going to execute for your team when you can look at their blog, their Facebook profile, their past performance, their GitHub check-ins? You know what I mean? Like what's the point of saying, I don't even know where our employees went to college. I don't even care. I could not matter. name I could not name for you. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. So... I think if you want to call something a fad, you have to look at the underpinning, um, the things that underpin that fad. So we were talking a little bit about the 30-year mortgage yeah, and how a lot of people think of that as an asset incorrectly. Correct. It's actually a liability in most cases. So a 30-year mortgage, you buy a $200,000 house. By the time you pay it off, it could cost you three or $400,000 easy. Um, and it's not guaranteed these days whether or not you're going to be able to sell it for more than you bought it for. So you've really got to want to live there. You've got to look at it as uh, not an asset, an asset, but a liability. Well, it's not only a liability in the financial column, but it's a liability in the flexibility column. I mean, for 30 years, you're going to be attached to one location. And it's like what the Internet's doing is it's like, you know, in a, in a city, you've got like all these tight nodes. You've got the cost of airline travel going down. Uh, you got the cost of of renting short term going down because of like this enmeshed Airbnb kind of thing going on. So now the nodals are starting to like go out, right? And so if you're tied to like one location that's maybe tied to some job that's going to go away in a couple years, that gives you no flexibility to then go out and seek out opportunities that might be down in Charlotte, might be over in Los Angeles, might be out in the middle of nowhere. Correct. And so I think that that's another reason why that comes to liability. I think like when you look at the trend that's happening, we, you know, I got an iPhone 5, which is the bomb jam. I just downloaded a book. I remember 10 years ago when I was traveling, I used to go crazy for Asia books in Bangkok. That was kind of like the traveler hub because they had like a couple thousand English titles in there. Right. Now I can download every book ever 
instantly, instantly highlight stuff, you know, cross-platform. I mean, people in Jimmy Carter's, military guys in Jimmy Carter's administration would be willing to pay multiple billions of dollars to have the technology that I have in my pocket yeah. right now. This is not going anywhere. This is a trend that's important. And I want the reason I want to bring this up is that, you know, if you're thinking you're behind the ball on location independence or whatever, you're not. You're just at the beginning of this trend. And it's going positive places. It's going up. Like you're going to be in good company if you get on get on this train. You know what I mean? In fact, I'd, I'd say this is a good time because I'd say two or three years ago when we started doing this, it was like really about fighting the resistance. I mean, there was like a there was a there was like a brick wall. I'd say three or four years ago, trying to get into this stuff, and now it's actually becoming more mainstream. I mean, I think even I'm talking to some people that have uh, you know middle sized companies, and they're starting to hire people location independently for $2,500 a month because yeah. they realize that it's cheaper than $45,000 in the office. It's funny how the cracks creep in, like uh, like how that stuff starts to come into the mainstream. Whereas when you look at magazines, I saw an article, like no mainstream author can deal with Tim Ferriss at all. Like they all hate him. Like they ha- there's so much spite towards that man because, you know, he's kind of, he's uppity, sort of like me and you. But I think there's another issue, which is it calls into question their whole existence. Like these writers have opted into this New York lifestyle, this high rent, this I get a writing gig, I get paid for my writing. Oh my God, I'm living the dream. I'm paid for my writing. And now all of a sudden we're all like, paid for your writing. That's easy. Right. It's never been a better time to get paid for your writing. You're pumped up about, you know, I remember reading a Sam Harris article where he was bemoaning the fact that um, Christopher Hitchens, uh, his posts on... Um, he wrote for Vanity Fair, got way less traction than Sam Harris's at his own personal blog because the world is changing. I mean, writing for Vanity Fair 20 years from now is not going to be what writing for Vanity Fair was 20 years previous. And of course, these writers that are all making fun of Ferris, he calls into question their whole set of assumptions. Yeah, speaking of the published company, publishing company this week, Thrift Shop, number one billboard hit, doesn't have a record label. <laughs> that, that song is awesome. Actually, we should play that one at the end next week. That's fantastic. You know, so let's talk about this because uh, the perils, the third point we have here is the perils of baking yourself into your business and what it really means to do that. But one of the things we could loop back to the beginning of the show is this success script. And it's calling into question what we think is successful and, and what, and I know it, it kind of sucks that we operate based on those, I guess, but we use that terminology to decide how good something is for us. You know, is that something that we admire? Is it something that we can aspire to or look up to? Is it something that people around you approve of? Yeah. We use these things as proxies. And one of the things that really helped me make the location independent jump was that I started applying multiples to income that I made under different circumstances. So I decided that a location independent income is worth like three or four X what a normal income from a job would be worth. And if I'm getting that income from an asset, then you put another multiple on top of it. So the idea is that when when people come home um, to Turkey Day, give me the cranberry sauce, mom, I got a raise, I'm making $100,000 a year. Everybody's like, boom, chakalaka. This guy is successful. Amazing. Right. You know what you should do? You should get a mortgage. You should get a three series. <laughs> but I came home the next Thanksgiving saying, if I make $20,000, now you guys don't know this, but that's cool because we're going to talk about other stuff. We're going to talk about football today. But if I make $20,000 a year, that's the same level of success or whatever that I, 
I would be if I made $100,000 in a job. Reason, I can spend that money anywhere. I can make that money anywhere. I have my control of my time. I can now meet with people on a regular basis. There's incredible upsides to being location independent, right? You can you can spend your daytime meeting with people. You you spend less time on lifestyle overhead too, right? Like we never go out during rush hour. Right. Yeah. Absolutely not. They say like you can't live in Los Angeles unless you don't have a job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of explains that town. But I think, you know, this this stuff is well, okay, so there's a bunch of other stuff about money that's sort of mindset hacks. I want to talk about rich versus wealthy real quick. Is that cool before we go back into the baked in sure. thing? So there's this cool idea that Robert Kiyosaki brings up in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I think is a good book. I went back and, and revisited it. Um, he talks about the difference between rich and wealthy. And of course, we're not rich yet or whatever rich is to you. For me, that's flying a 737. Like Fly, actually flying the 737. With a, a paint job that I put on right. it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's rich. That's rich. But what's wealthy? Because wealthy is what we want, like our baseline. And I right. love the way he described it is... Wealthy is when your income from your assets out is more on a monthly basis than your monthly expenses. So if you make $2,000 a month from assets, like products that you have automated, either via employees or software, or via, say, uh, a, uh, say a warehouse that you own, and then you rent that warehouse out on a monthly basis, your net positive $1,000 a month on asset income, you own all your time, you might not yet be rich, but you are wealthy. And the cool part of that equation I love is that you start at the beginning, is that you don't have to focus purely on the income side because we all see it and you're spending $500 a month, you're making 1,000, you're wealthy. You might not yet be rich, but you're wealthy. I like it. All right, so you know, I guess before we move on to you know the tips and stuff, is, is there any other things we could talk about, like some benefits that we saw from not baking ourselves into our business? I mean. We pretty much made a pretty hardcore call. Like a lot of people that advise us, they say, you know, why aren't you back in California? Like, why, you know, maybe in our case, I think it really, it could be wrong. Yeah, I, I, think, I think in the think short that- term, there's no question we'd be making more money if we were like sitting in and off. I mean, maybe, but but there's a lot of other benefits, like a lot of other value that happens. One value, for example, is our business is extremely process oriented. One value is is that if so, if we wanted to sell our product business. Uh, it does not rely on the owner. I would say I used to do like... Uh, not only does it not rely on the owner, it doesn't rely on the location. So I'd say that that yeah. business is a lot more valuable than one that does rely on the location. Because if you find a buyer in Florida and he's committed to living in Florida, well, then he's not going to buy your business. If you have a location independent business, if you build a location independent business, and especially one that's independent of you, yeah. I'd say that you have a much more sellable business. And it's it's interesting how this episode, I'm not sure if we purposely did this, but it's kind of uh, morphed, right? So it went from location independence from independence from your business. Um, and, and building these assets that really don't have to do with you or your location. That's deep, man. <laughs> so deep. I just also, you know, from a lifestyle perspective, let's just inject that when you have freed yourself up from those things, you get to focus on, I think it's a long-term play. I really do. Thinking, following, don't suppress those things as long as they're the enterprising parts of yourself. Certainly suppress the part of yourself that wants to watch TV all day and eat Funyuns. But don't suppress that part of yourself that wants to go out on the road, that wants to see the world, that wants to connect with other people, that wants to go to China to meet your supplier, um, that wants to go to the Philippines and set up a corporation there and report back home about it. You know, these kinds of things. Don't hold that back because you feel like you should be doing something. I want to emphasize that it's not just about travel. This location independence is, is just more about independence from 
location, I guess. Right. Not so, necessarily. So travel. let's talk back to the five year guy because I can. I know a lot of people that are more tied to their business than they want to be. In fact, most entrepreneurs. And everybody's going to say, all right, you guys talk all this philosophical mumbo jumbo. What's the way to do it? What's the way to get free from my business? And I got an answer for you that we all can remember. The same way you left your job. The number one strategy for getting free from your business is balls. It's having something better to do. People are terrified terrified to leave their business same way they were when they left their job so you're exhibiting this i see it nine times out of ten it's the same mindset that people had when they were going to leave their job they were terrified what's going to happen what's going to happen to my 401k what's going to happen to my income what's going to happen blah 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 blah. same thing with the business now you got a bunch of people sitting in an office thinking that i got to be here what's going to happen to my what's going to happen what's going to happen again it's having that courage that what you're doing is important that you don't want to suppress your desires anymore. You don't want to be telling sad stories like I did at the beginning of the episode where you're on some dumb website like the Lifestyle Business Podcast trying to figure out how to grow your business. <laughs> what you want to be doing is getting free from that thing, continuing to be enterprising, taking on new projects, process the crap out of that business, listen to episode number 134, and make it happen. Yeah, buddy. All right, let's get moving on to just the tip. It's been a long one, Ian. In, uh, in just a few short hours, I will be going to yoga class. And I've been doing this a lot, and I love yoga. Absolutely love it. Thank you for introducing me to it. Absolutely. Now, a lot of people out there are going to say, I don't have time for yoga. I don't live in some fumfy area of the world. Um, but I've got some back problems. I've got some posture problems. And uh, what can you guys do for me? I would say, go read this book called The Foundation. Redefine your core, conquer back pain, and move with confidence. I read this book and it's essentially like the 80-20 of a yoga class. So for 20 minutes a day, three days a week, you can straighten out your posture by doing some basic power yoga kind of moves. And it's real simple. So, Interesting. So if you don't yeah. want to go to yoga class, go check out that. I think I'm going to go to yoga class. but All right. Yeah. Yoga class is super cool. It's got other benefits like... It's got beautiful people everywhere. And the part that I like about it too is uh, the meditation. You know, that's something that I didn't have in my life before I went to yoga. Yeah. And now I have a time to meditate and I think that's fun. Very cool. So the limited attention span jam this week. Start with the why, a book by Simon Sinek. We're going to be doing an episode on this book. It is has cracked in to my top 10 business books of all time. That is a significant movement on the list, which I'll be publishing shortly. As you know, I've read hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of business books. I probably buy four or five a week. And this book has cracked the top 10. Start with the why. And uh, Alec Baldwin on Inside the Actor Studio, a hilarious, hilarious video. But he also talks about making aesthetic decisions. And that's really important for when you're going to make these big career moves, like we were talking about, like if you want to have uh, the the courage as an entrepreneur to leave your business behind. You have to realize that you're cutting off certain opportunities for yourself because you're going to go after other ones. There's always opportunity cost to making decisions. You got to get used to that. Uh, and Alec talks a little bit about that. I saw a quote on Twitter the other day. It said, uh, the grass is always green on the other side because it's fertilized with bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm gonna, hey, how do you feel about uh, two beautiful women smashed into one? Don't say something naughty. Today, I'm going to play you out with Adele and Selena 
Gomez, both lovely ladies, but when you mash them together, they're even more fantastic. Let's give a listen. All right, next Thursday morning, we'll be back with hopefully a little bit less, you know, of the talky-talky, maybe a little bit more actionable next week. See you next Thursday morning. Booyah! Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. You're the kid at the fucking 11-year-old birthday party and everybody's having a good time playing fucking hopscotch and you got to pull out the m80 <laughs> just smuggled into the party That's and true. you're going to set it off at the back of the That's backyard true. meanwhile everybody's trying to have a good time there's ice cream cake there